Dad the Man, the guy who's living life the right way by loving and leading his family. World class at his craft and admired by many, but more importantly, he sets the tone for what a great man, husband, and father looks like. That's who Dad the Man is. And the truth is, as men, husbands, and fathers, we experience and struggle with so many of the same things. And it's time we recognize that we're all in this together. So drop your ego at the door and join us in the conversation. Welcome to Dad the Man. What's up, everybody? My name is Brendan Wall, and I am the founder and host of the Dad the Man podcast. Before we get started, if you haven't already, please do me a huge favor and leave us a rating and review and subscribe to the show. I cannot thank you enough for your support. Today's guest is none other than Lou Corella. Lou is the head strength and conditioning coach for the football team at Georgia Tech University. He played college football at Defiance and began his coaching journey by doing summer internships at USF and Virginia while in school. After graduating, he worked as a GA at Mississippi State. He then worked as an assistant strength coach at Georgia Tech, Mississippi State, then Michigan. In 2015, he got his first head job at North Texas before moving on to Louisiana Lafayette and then Buffalo, where he was honored as the strength and conditioning coach of the year in college football. Lou took the head job at Georgia Tech in 2019 and is now in his third season with the team. Lou took social media by storm earlier this year as high-level performers in all facets of life, not just football, began to discover and share his weekly messages that he was sharing on Instagram. And in digging into Lou's messages on Instagram myself, I love the way that he is able to teach the principles and values that can be applied for success in all areas of life. He's down to earth, he's humble as hell, and he takes every opportunity that he can to lead from the front. He walks the walk and paves a path for others to follow. He's the kind of coach that I would be honored to have my kids play for. And on top of all that, he's an incredible man, husband, and father, which is why I am so thankful that I had the opportunity to speak with him. So here's my conversation with the Lou Corella. And we are live, everybody. Welcome back to the Dad the Man podcast. My name is Brendan Wall, and I am your host. Today, we have a guest that I am extremely honored and grateful for the opportunity to speak with, Coach Lou Corrala of Georgia Tech. Uh, now, Lou, before I let you jump in here, um, so you started your, your Instagram in like February this year, and then not too long after that, I mean, you went like absolutely viral uh, with, with a couple of the videos that you shared. Um, and it's, it's no surprise because, I mean, that's around the time that I found you and I started digging into the things that you had shared on, on social media and have continued to since then. And dude, you have just like skyrocketed to the top of my list of people that I really enjoyed following, you know, listening to learning from, and, and that's something I'm extremely intentional with is, is, um, you know, the messages that I let into my brain through social media. So, uh, man, thanks. Thanks to you for, for sharing what you've been sharing. I mean, it's at the point now it's like, if I'm scrolling, and I see like a dark screen. It looks like it's like probably before the sun's <laughs> up, like your face comes up, usually like dripping sweat off your nose. And you're like, hey, guys, got a message for you. I'm like, all right, let's go What's for me. Um, so thanks. Thanks for for opening up into the world of social media and letting letting guys like me follow and, and learn from you. So all, the, all those things being said, Lou Corrala, welcome to the show, brother. Yeah, thank you so much. Can't wait to get going and just appreciate you reaching out. It means a lot. Absolutely. Uh, so on, on that note, so it looks like your morning routine is probably somewhat dialed in. It looks like these the videos that you've been posting are, are 
early in the morning before the sun's up. Can you tell me a little bit about your morning routine and what your what your workout plan in that time frame looks like? Yeah, so normally, I mean, if during football camp or during off-season workouts, it's always roughly the day normally starts around seven, you know, like that's mm-hmm. normal. And if I'm going to work out or if I'm going to get my, you know, alone time to think or write or read or whatever I want to do, it ha- I got to get here at four, you know, like if I don't get here at four or four thirty, I just, I won't feel like doing it later. And it, it does bring me a lot of joy and a lot of peace getting my workout in or doing what I got to do before anyone can bother me. And, you know, a big, big part of it too, is just doing the, the players workout that I'm about to take them through that day. You know, that's a big reason too. So that's another topic though, but yeah, that's, that's my morning routine. Awesome. Um, so you mentioned that, that, that space in the morning, just being habitual about that, creating that space for you, uh, what difference has that made in your life, having that time to, um, to really have to yourself? Everything. You know, I just think there were times mm-hmm. early in my career where I thought I could get it in after the day. But then you start playing like if you can go, if you can leave and you have free time at the end. Yeah, that's taken away from your family. So I can't do that. And then in the middle of the day is not very motivating because you just ate or something or you're done coaching. It's just not very good, but the most productive time of the day is when no one's there, and that's the morning. So if, if you got a 6 a.m. lift, yeah, I mean, it's you got to wake up at 3. You know, it's just the way it is, and it's, yeah, you know, you're going to lose sleep for a while, but the production that you can gain from doing that, it, it, it's a lot more than you would even think. So Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I've got two kids myself, four and two, and, um, you know, it's – trying to get something done at the end of the day. It just, it's either going to cut into the time I'm going to get with them or with my wife or, you know, just my wind down time. That's going to ruin my sleep. So I'm right there with you. Like first thing in the morning, that's space to me. It's like, if, if I, I know I can create it, there's no excuse not to, uh, right. but it's just a matter of holding myself accountable to, uh, to actually do it. Um, yep. Do you have any uh, books or podcasts that you recommend that you maybe are, are a big fan of that might be helpful to any men, husbands and fathers listening? Yeah. So, I mean, based off of this podcast, one of my favorite books was um, Raising a Modern Day Knight, you know, and I think that's uh, it's just a huge like principal book on how to raise like your son, if you have a son Mm -hmm. and then you can translate it all to having a daughter as well. But that's huge. I I love um, reading books by Mark Batterson. He's he really like the way he writes and takes the Bible into dreams, into purpose, into your story. Uh, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day was definitely a fan favorite of mine. Um, Podcasts, I, I, you know, I listen to all kinds of podcasts. I listen to Inky Johnson's, of course. Uh, Ed I just Milet. listened to your interview with him, by the way. That was great. Oh, yeah, that was fun. I mean, it was, it was, uh, he's such an amazing person, but um, yeah, doing that was a lot of fun. And then Ed Milet, John Maxwell, John Gordon. Those are typical ones that I kind of roll through. And then, you know, just books. I mean, I have so many different books. I don't get to read as much as I'd like, but I do. My car is like car university on my trip home and trip back. Yep. I just I try to listen to as many good people as I can. 
I haven't heard anybody phrase it that way, Car University, but that's that's kind of where I'm at too. I'm like, all right, I got 15 minutes, home to the office, let's go. What are we, what are we yep. going to uh, uh, fill our brain with today? Um, so if you don't mind, take us back, tell us a little bit about your childhood, where you grew up, uh, family dynamic, who who you were as a kid. Yep, so grew, I was born in New York, and then when I was two years old, we moved to Tampa area, Tarpon Springs, Florida, and, you know, have a brother who's younger than me, have a uh, stepsister who's older than me, but I was raised with my brother, my mom, my dad, and just in love with sports you know we played everything football baseball soccer basketball and football was really the main thing that stuck and you know i've never missed any football since i was eight years old and i just loved the game you know i just loved it and a lot of all my friends came from that game you know some some for good reasons some for not good reasons <laughs> but uh i learned a lot as a teenager i wasn't the greatest kid you know in my opinion i did things that I I still regret but it gives me it gives me a lot of perspective on how to coach kids now and how to even parent my own kids because I, I had great parents they didn't do anything wrong it was just I I geared towards the fearless attitude and on the weekends as well and not mm -hmm. just the football field so so now as a strength coach I turn all that into positivity and lessons and mistake and mistakes and regrets and share with every kid I've ever coached. And it's, it's helped me a lot in my childhood. And then I've always believed in hard work pays off and no one tells you when my dad always said, just keep working hard and the result will come one day. You just don't know when you just got to be patient. And, and that's, that's taught me a lot on this whole journey, finding my purpose, finding what I'm supposed to be doing, finding my wife. I mean, everything. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's quick nutshell yeah that's such a great lesson from your dad and, and i've heard you speak about him a little bit on, on some other shows can you dive a little deeper for us and tell us a little bit about your relationship with him and i know you guys still text all the time and keep in touch obviously and can you tell us a little bit about what that relationship has meant to you and, and who you've grown into as a man and a professional so if i if i'm like my dad to my son i will have succeeded you know, that's how I feel about my dad. He's at 6 a.m. If I'm working out at 4.30, I, I know a text is coming from him at 6 a.m. And it's, you know, ever since he learned how to text, uh, it's been, it's just every day, you know, it's just, hey, have a great day and uh, stay strong. Keep, you know, keep doing what you're doing and keep changing lives, you know, that kind of stuff. It, it's, it's so it's so common that you try not to take it for granted every day. Yep. Um, but he is the most consistent guy I've ever known. You know, his, I think true toughness too is what my dad showed me in my childhood. Like he didn't love his job, you mm -hmm. know, but he never showed that he didn't love his job when he came home. Yep. You know, he had a smile on his face. He was ready to play with us. He, he never missed a sporting event. Um, he, he was just, in full support of me and my brother and it just without him even having to go too deep into it speaking to me about it mm -hmm. he showed me it so um yeah I just he's like my best friend that's awesome I, you know I think you and I are both blessed in, in this similar way that you know I feel the same way about my dad all the things you just said there's 
it's it's funny now I'm, I'm 30 years old and I'm like reaching back in my brain and, and leaning on lessons that just small memories from when I was like six and seven you know it's funny how how you can lean back on those things and you know here in for anybody who might be listening I guess my fear might be that they might hear you know two guys talk about how great their fathers were and, and how truly privileged we are to have grown up that way and maybe be disappointed or try to you know make an excuse about the way they're going to handle themselves now but my hope is that if somebody is maybe leaning that way, try to think of it as an inspiration to try to be that for, for your own kids so that yep. one day your, your kids will be sitting here on a podcast talking about how great their dad was. Um, yep. So I just wanted to throw that out there as well. So you played college football and then from there, I think jumped straight into the strength coaching world. Can you uh, give us a little bit of a rundown on how we got from maybe you wrapping up college football to, to where we sit here at Georgia Tech? Yeah, so played at West Virginia Wesleyan out of high school. And then after three years there, I transferred to Defiance in Ohio. Um, you know, we just had recruiting fairs. And, and when I was a senior, went to these recruiting fairs in Tampa. They had all these D3 and D2 schools in like a gymnasium. And your high school coach took your tape the day before to show all these coaches. And he would have a list of coaches that were interested in you. So it was pretty cool. You know, I didn't uh, play quarterback more than my senior year. So I didn't have a chance to really be recruited like the other juniors and sophomores do now. But um, I had a great time playing football in college. But the main thing was when I got to Defiance, the summers off, I did Division One internships. So I would go home back to Tampa and I did an internship for Ron McKeefrey in South Florida that whole summer. I trained with the team at the nine o'clock group and then I coached the next three lift groups every day for free, exhausted every day, just blowing myself out. Went back to school, had a great season. The next year worked for Virginia, moved out, you know, went home, moved away for that summer to go work at Virginia for free. And that's where I kind of met my guy that really took me on a journey in this whole thing. Matt Bayless, who's now the head strength coach at Notre Dame. As soon as I graduated that next semester after that internship, he called me to be his GA at Mississippi State. And then I was, you know, I got a full-time job at actually Georgia Tech um, 11 years ago. And then went back to Mississippi State to work for that guy again as a full-time assistant. And then six months later, I went to Michigan and worked with them for three years. And then I got my first head job at North Texas. I got my second head job at Louisiana Lafayette. I got my third head job at Buffalo. And now I'm at Georgia Tech. <laughs> so you've been around a little bit. You've been jumping. So I want to use this. As, yeah. I've heard you tell your story before, and I'd love to use this as an opportunity to talk about, you know, overcoming, uh, you know, adversity, overcoming maybe disappointing circumstances. So I know I want to. Let's paint a picture of where you were. I guess your your first head coaching or, or head strength coaching job, um, the head coach ended up getting fired a year or two into that. So then you took you had another opportunity, had to pack up the family, and uh, and move and start another one, start another opportunity. And then that head coach got uh, dismissed as well, which you know led to turnover for you. So there's a there's a quote that that you have from your social media, and I'm going to read it so that I don't. Uh, so that I don't botch it here. Um, let's see. All right. So you said mismanaged success uh, is the leading cause of failure. 
well-managed failure is the leading cause of success. And when I think about where you had to have been in your headspace at that point um, with a wife and, and I think, I believe young kids at that point, can you talk to me a little bit about where you were mentally looking to make that, that next jump to your third head coaching opportunity, you know, kind of with everything on the line? Yep. Yeah. I appreciate you knowing all that. Um, so I took notes as an assistant for years, you know, trying to vision myself as a head guy. And I really, I really had a strong vision of how confident I would be if I ever had a chance. And then when that opportunity came, I, I lived that, that opportunity. You know, I, I did everything I dreamed of at North Texas that year. I was so close with the kids. I, you know, I, there was so much good in that, that year, but then 11 months later, I'm out, you know, it's just, that's the way football is. I was the new guy on staff. That staff was there for four years already. If it wasn't going to go well that year, it was probably going to be out. So I got let go. <laughs> so scrambling, got a head job at Louisiana Lafayette for, from a coach that I used to work with at Mississippi State. So I had a connection there, but it was timing. The guy had to leave for me to even get in the door. So his guy left that year and he hired me. Two years later, didn't win enough games, fired. And that's, that's, when, that's when we had like close friends in the neighborhood. That's when like things were getting real serious. Like our kids were growing up and they had a lot of friends and like you just go into the kitchen again to tell your wife, we didn't get, we didn't get kept, you know, like they're letting us go again. And she's just looking at me like, what are we doing? Like, I don't understand why we just can't move home and you can't open your own gym or something. And we're done with this stuff. Like I'm so tired of moving. Yeah. And you know, it, it did. It was, it was one of the hardest three weeks I've ever been through. And when Buffalo called and I got the interview, I knew they were on year four of their staff too. And I knew if it didn't go well, it probably wasn't going to end well also. And to be honest, my family did not want to move there. You know, they were scared. We didn't know much about mm -hmm. Buffalo. Yep. And we just knew it was pouring <clears throat> snow. So before any of my family got there, I got the job, luckily, again, thankful. Um, I'm moving all my stuff into a storage unit because we can't afford a house in Buffalo and there's nothing for rent. I'm moving half my stuff that we had in our Louisiana house into a storage unit in the pouring snow, crying my eyes out, not knowing what I'm doing with my life, not knowing what I'm doing to my kids and my wife, you know, and, and knowing that they're not looking forward to this. So with all of that, that was still before I met the team. And when I met the team there, I just, I had, a, I had this feeling that it was going to work. And because of that feeling and because I was so right about it, I mean, I didn't change anything. I didn't change what I did at North Texas to Louisiana to Buffalo. It was just the perfect situation that fell into place because I just kept believing in what I was doing and what I want to do. And that's to help kids become great people in this world that play this game that I love. And I mean, you talk about going through it with your family and maybe this isn't going to work. All these things are in your mind, but 
at the same time, you just keep believing in yourself, regardless of who believes in you. Yeah, I mean, just, just to the point that you that you made at the beginning, hard, hard work pays off. You just don't know when it's going to be. I mean, what it's what a testament. I mean, you truly living up uh, to those words. It's I mean, that's an unbelievable story. And, and if I'm not mistaken, this year you won uh, strength and conditioning coach of the year, right? Yeah, and it was crazy because the guy I worked for at Mississippi State, the guy I worked for at Virginia, me and him were up for that award at the same time. And he was the head strength coach in Notre Dame. I just saw that and I just started smiling and looking up and just thanking God because here I was not even a year ago, fired, looking for a job again. And now I'm up with my big brother in this whole field for the national strength coach of the year. And I, I couldn't, I mean, those kids at Buffalo, I still am in the biggest group text with. Like I, I, I mean, Winning 10 games together, um, like, it was just so much fun that year. And it was such a relief uh, and such a testament. Like, I hold that award high because not to say, hey, look at me. It's to say, just believe in yourself. Like, stop worrying about anyone else's opinion about you. If people aren't going to pick up the phone after a while because they just stop caring about you, that's fine. It is what it is. But as long as you don't stop, as long as you still feel your purpose in your heart, man, that's the only way to make it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And so you, I want to peel back just a little bit there. So you were talking about, you know, the effect on your family, uh, talking about move, moving the family around, which which I can't imagine. Uh, it, it reminds me of the old famous Bear Bryant quote where he said there ought to be a special place in heaven for coaches' wives. Can you talk to me Definitely. a little bit about uh, about your wife and, and with everything that you guys have going on, just the role that she plays in your family and, and how you support her in her role? Yeah, she's, I mean, I still think, you know, the number one accomplishment that I've ever achieved in my life is my wife. Because, like, I remember when I was 19 at the YMCA, uh, being a camp counselor, first summer home from college, she also applies to be a camp counselor. I've never met her, you know, just we both interview together and we both get the job being a camp counselor at the YMCA that summer. And at the end of the summer, I knew I was going back to West Virginia Wesleyan and I knew she was going to Florida Gulf Coast. I stared at my phone for four hours trying to figure out how I was going to tell this girl I liked her and how. I would just like want to make this thing work somehow. And the, I think the reason I stared at the phone that long was because I could feel my life about to change forever. And I could, I could sense that I've never met anyone like this and I just got to do this. I just don't know what to say, <laughs> but I did. And uh, we did three and a half years of long distance. And then right after college, we got, um, engaged and then let the journey begin. But the cool thing is about her, she's, she's seen everything. Like she saw the internship. She moved to me with Virginia internship for free that summer when she was still in school too. And then, I mean, Starkville to Atlanta, to Ann Arbor, to Denton, Ohio, to Denton Texas, to Lafayette, to Buffalo. I mean, she just, Every step of the way, she has been the complete rock. And the kids that we have now are 
a hundred percent good people because of her. So it's just, I mean, she's amazing. That's awesome. If you could go back in time and give yourself uh, some marriage advice, um, you know, let's pretend it's the day you're about to get married. What would you tell yourself knowing what you know now? Um, not every day is going to be perfect, you know, and, and you're going to, I mean, you're going to go through like tests, you know, like you're going to have some arguments. You're going to have like, it's not just going to be all lovey dovey. Like it's, it's not perfect. And she's going to go through things. I'm going to go through things, but at the end of the day, you love her, you know? And, and that's the thing. Like you've got to, the big picture is the big advice in marriage. You can get lost real quick if you think like, oh, she's just being a certain way. Look, she's being a certain way because there's three kids at home pulling on her leg all the day. Like, and then as soon as you get home, she's not, she's not excited. You know, she's ready to like pass out. Yeah. So like, <laughs> um, you got to understand that. And then, you know, anything, I'm not perfect at all, but like one thing that's helped me with my marriage is just asking myself, how can I help? And it's always conscious, like subconscious. You have to always ask yourself how you can help no matter how tired you are. That's awesome. So let's transition a little bit. You mentioned your kids. Um, are there any, are there any lessons that come to mind right off the top of your head that, that you definitely want to uh, instill in them? Yeah, just, you know, be respectful. Like, don't like if someone gives you a compliment say thank you if someone like says hey good game say thank you you know look and, and like I, I was so proud of my son the other day at football practice and he just started playing football but I walked away with him that day and you know he's so adorable in his little full pads <laughs> but uh we're walking away just me and him and I was like hey buddy um, you know why I'm most proud of you today? He goes, why? I'm like, it wasn't the, the three kids you juked in one play. It wasn't the, it wasn't the throw you made. It was, it was the very end when your coach asked your team to take a lap and your whole team cut the corner when he wasn't looking. And you didn't. And you kept running the full perimeter lap of the entire field. And when everyone else was on a knee waiting for you, because you did it right, it said the most anyone could ever say about you. And he's eight. You know, I didn't tell him to do that. I just feel like, man, that was a special moment. And he and he heard that now. So he knows every time if they're going to cheat, I'm not. Yeah, that's so cool. You know, and I think that happens because, I mean, you being the role model that you are and, you know, you do it. I mean, it goes back to you doing all the workouts that you know before you teach them to to your to your athletes I mean it's you embody a phrase that I that I have really come to believe to be so true and that it's real leaders lead from the front and then you know you set that example you set the tone for your athletes you set it for your son and that's that's such a cool moment to get to see that and uh, see that manifest and in an eight-year-old too like I mean that's just that's just unbelievable yeah. so a couple more questions as we move towards the end here um so, Lou, you, you've had a lot of success and, you know, you're so widely known and respected and, you know, talking about, you know, how you still have you have the group text going on with the Buffalo team and, you know, everybody 
that seems to work with you, seems to really love and respect you. You've got a beautiful family. Um, do you have any insecurities in your life that you deal with, or maybe, maybe something within yourself that you're trying to work on now? Yeah. Like the biggest insecurity I've ever had is being a better coach than I am a dad or a husband. And the reason why is because I'm not there a lot. You know, I just like this football camp, for example, I barely see them. Like I, I'm obviously not there when they wake up and I'm obviously not there when they go to bed. It's just, it, it's so hard. And then, then you just got to hear about their day and then you got to like, just try to picture what they did and you miss that day and it's just gone. And then like my dad never missed any game I've ever had ever, but like, I'm going to miss all my kids game. Like, like I'm going to miss every Saturday because I'm a college coach, but like, I just try to, I try to maximize the time I am with them and I'm not perfect at that either. Cause I'm blown out and tired, but that's the hardest part of this job. It's there. There really is no balance. You, you get a year round. If you're the head strength coach, you have a year round responsibility to work with these guys here. And the body, it's not like the human body can ever not be worked out. You know, you, you got to keep these guys in shape year round. So you're always here. Now, I will say this, depending on who you work for in this field, helps with that with your schedule. You know, there's a lot of coaches out there that keep their guys there all day. And the one I work for right now, he's a family man. Like, he loves coaches being with their family. So once it gets better, like, out of to certain terms of the year, you know, I'm with them a lot more often. But that's the biggest insecurity. It's giving more to these guys than I am my own kids and my wife. So. Yeah, there, there's something you said in there that I've thought a lot about recently because this seems to be um, a super common thing that we think about as men, husbands, and fathers is the time away, right? So I think it's, you know, we can't always control the quantity of the time that we're going to get with the people that we love, but we can always have some control over the quality of that time. And um, I, th I feel like that's really stemming from the root of your answer there. So I appreciate yeah. you bringing that up. Um, so la last question as we wind things down. Um, you know, kids are going to grow old. Kids are going to grow up. We're going to grow old. And, uh, you know, we're going to leave this planet, God willing, um, we'll go before our kids. And when I think about legacy, I think about uh, the moments, the memories, the lessons, the experiences, uh, the little things that we leave our kids to lean on and remember us by. If you think about that for yourself, think about your own family. What do you want your kids to remember about their dad? I want my, so I want them to know that he was the hardest worker they've ever seen. And he pushed himself to his potential almost daily in a physical and mental aspect. He did every player's workout he ever coached before they even did it. So he could just have great insight on coaching them and keeping them safe. Anytime he was home, he was always playing with us. He was always happy. And we know that he would have done anything, dropped anything to keep us safe. And he just believed in himself when everyone else stopped. And he had the ability to say no to people when they weren't going the right way. And I think that's 
book. Well, I just feel like legacy is just, it comes down to one sentence, you know, and I think you're a lot of different things to a lot of different people in this world. I'm a friend to a lot of people. I'm a brother. I'm a son. I'm a husband. I'm a, I'm a dad. I'm a coach. I'm a leader. Every kid, every person I've ever been in touch with, it's only going to come down to one sentence. How do you describe that person? What did they mean to you? And I'm just working on that sentence every day, no matter who it is, just to be a good person, work very hard, be confident in what I'm doing and make others believe in themselves. And I think a lot of people get lost in their sentence when they can't find their purpose. And I feel like when you start to be average and when you start to settle and when you start to coast on things, there's a strong chance of those words being in your sentence. So I'm just, I'm trying to avoid that. And I just feel like I have a story now because of what I had to go through that I'm going to share. Like it has to be shared with people because things don't just come to you. They're not going to just show up and you got to work really hard and then not get what you want. And that's going to test you if you really love it. Cause if you love it, you're going to bounce back from it. And if you're going to fight with your wife, you're going to bounce back from it. And it's just, if your faith is going to be tested, you're going to bounce back from it because that's how you know you love it. And I, I love my family and I love my job. That's not a job. It's just what I do. So that's beautiful, man. Thank you for sharing that. Where's the best place for people to follow you? Um, Lewis at Lewis Corella on Twitter. I've tried to like, <laughs> I try to tweet a motivational quote or some kind of thing once a week for like eight years now. And it just got better as time went, but you know, at inst Instagram's at Lou Corella and I'm like seven months old on that. The players talked me into getting it. I didn't understand why I needed both, but I'm glad uh, they did. Cause that's how I found you. <laughs> yeah, I am too. Cause that's, uh, I can see a lot more of what they're doing too. Cause they're all over that thing. Yeah. Uh, is, so. is, is there any truth to the rumor that you might be working on a book with all the, with the, the daily lessons. Yeah. It, um, I'm getting very close and I keep saying that, but I'm trying really hard to get it done this year. Awesome. Well, whenever that comes out, we will certainly be promoting it here. I can't wait for it. Um, I was getting ready for, for the interview and I was scrolling back through your Instagram and going through all the, the daily lessons that you've shared in there. And I was like, God, every I've got a, I've got like three pages of notes here of just those <laughs> quotes. I was like, I gotta trim this down, but they're just all so good. Uh, so I'll be ready for that book whenever it comes out. Uh, Luke Raw, I really appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for uh, giving us the gift of your time and your knowledge. Yeah, thank you so much. And this is an awesome thing you're doing too. And I'm just thankful that you reached out. And I am thankful I have Instagram because it brings me across great people like you. So appreciate you. I appreciate that, brother. I'll, we'll talk soon. All right, everybody, that's it. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show or leave us a rating and review. We can't thank you enough for your support. Until next time, remember to love and lead from the front. See ya.